shallow words bring nothing new. Shallow words bring nothing new. It cuts sad. Welcome to Superstructure. What show are we on? Hey, everybody. This is Superstructure <laughs> with Natalie Smith and Will Beeman uh, this week. Uh, I got super jealous that Max and Natty did their episode last week, and so I wanted to I just want to say really quick that we were like, Natty, you want to like do the, the introduction this time? And I was like, sure, I'm going to do it like just as long as until I like immediately get tired of it. And it took about like three seconds this time. <laughs> Well, I, I maybe accelerated that a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> no, I liked it. I was like, no, it's better. It's better. This is so. This is a Will and Maddie episode. We're doing some more uh, dialectical series because um, <laughs> we also have like the monologue series. We have Max doing processions. We have uh, we have Scott doing his monologues on uh, lectures. We have Dasha monologuing. We don't know when the the Will monologuing. Uh, Rumors have it that there may be something in the works that's a solo will thing, but I don't know. We'll we'll see. Yeah, I love our like one on one dynamic so far. It's like ADD extravaganza. So what are we talking about today, Will? This Natty, we just did, I just got to do a, a Natty Max episode solo for the first time, and today we're getting to do a Natty uh, Will Max in which we we mutually aid each other. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So mutual aid is <laughs> mutual aid is the topic of the day. Yeah, I mean, I think I've been wanting to do or I've just been thinking about mutual aid for a while and I, I really wasn't sure what like how we would approach it on an episode as a topic because what we definitely don't want to do is be like we have the comprehensive like single superstructure take on mutual aid like is it good or bad or something because i think that that's such a big topic it's a huge topic and so you know i want to proceed with some humility you know we we have some things that we want to say that are i think are readings of mutual aid that yeah there there there's some things that i think i want to affirm about mutual aid that maybe don't actually always get affirmed by people who are who are its like biggest proponents um and and on the other hand though like i also want to preface this by saying right like we on this podcast have spent a lot of time uh talking about class reductionism and talking about you know i mean the podcast is called superstructure because you know we're kind of tongue-in-cheek we are anti um, uh reduction in class sizes uh at schools that yeah we prefer right. just inflationary classes where suddenly you have a only language classes of 80 people and above just to save the state money because <laughs> uh, you have to you have to you have to starve the state. you have to s- from the you left. have to starve the state from the <laughs> left, which is a uh, which is incoherent. A, a, a preview of, of a reading no, a, little no. bit, a little bit later. Well, I think we want to like affirm a variety of ways of naming mutual aid and sort of like embrace this heterogeneity. But also, I think there's a heterogeneity of namings of what mutual aid is, as well as like different tones to affirmative and and we're not going to come in in some just like cynical Catherine Lou tone like just to be a bitch like actually Jeff Bezos is doing mutual aid yeah like- <laughs> yeah right 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 like there's there's a certain way in which mutual aid is is dismissed by class reductionists as yeah. being you know because it is 
not workers at the point of production, that it's like at best a distraction or at worst, like, you know, like I, I literally years ago, um, there was some story with like, you know, mutual aid, you know, like anarchists in either Seattle or Portland or something who were like fixing potholes. And there were and they were being like, basically chastised by class reductionists saying that the act of them fixing potholes is actually basically working to undermine public sector unions who whose power is based on their ability to withhold pothole fixing labor. It's such a particular is, class reductionism too, right? It's like a very specific narrative. Uh, how would you like to find that? Because even there's some, there's some mutual aid discourse which like does talk about class in this like uh, reified location manner that instead of like approximate locations, you can definitely get some like in the real place where authentic source there. I, I do feel like there's like a craving for an authentic absolute uh, source in a class way that has, you know, things I would affirm and respect, but others that I think kind of have weird slippages in the uh, mutual aid discourse. But the point is um, that you're kind of referencing a very specific milieu, but it's a big milieu. <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. And like this, this class reduction thing, you know, like that's, it's one I mean, the common impulse and why we focus so much on base superstructure is that this is, you know, they're class reductionists who criticize mutual aid for undermining public sector unions or whatever. Um, they're doing so by saying that, you know, the real base or the real locus of political activity has to be at this institutional point of unions. Um, and anything outside of that is going to be kind of siphoning energy. Well, it's coming from the scarcity. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And but I think that we want to also say that there I mean, there's a lot of different readings of mutual aid. And one of the things that I think we want to push back on with this episode is a is a very particular way of reading mutual aid that that I think neglects its engagement with uh, abstract contestations over what kinds of work are work is being authorized socially, you know, to do certain things, right? Um, like what one of the things that stands out to me the most about mutual aid is something that like I really, really want to affirm is like it always happens in like wherever there is, austerity and people need things to be done you know and i don't want to just dismiss it as like a patchwork solution until we get the state in there or something you know or 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 like the final yeah or the final stage of whatever it is we're getting to right right yeah it's you know it's not necessarily that it's like transitional but what what it does that i that i find so inspiring and that i really want to affirm is you know, mutual aid looks at what is currently being authorized as important and worth paying people money to do, you know, like what kinds of care work is available that you can get a job doing. And it, you know, mutual aid goes ahead and does the things that that are not being provisioned for, right? Um, Mm. But in doing Mm. so, there's an element of naming and identifying and and authorizing as a collective against the authorization of the state you know to like you know you do these things you spend money to do these things and against that right mutual aid 
uh, holds open the possibility to do other things that are not necessarily being done by the state. And, you know, I mean, to put our cards on the table, like, I want to argue that that aspect of mutual aid is actually like a proto-monetary aspect. um, Because what money does, what MMT says, right, is like, when the government spends money into the economy, you know, hires people to be teachers, part of what that's doing is it's identifying, you know, these skills, and, you know, this chalk and this paper, this this classroom, right? It's like, there's an element of naming all of these things as resources relative to production that needs to be done. And then you have the Beeman, the Beeman Lee, <laughs> uh, sorry, the, the Beeman Lee uh, input output. Yeah, <laughs> a- absolutely. I'm interrupting your flow, but, but what's interesting to me in kind of where I'm putting our cards on the mm-hmm. table, uh, I'm not good at cards, mm-hmm. but... Uh, kind of taking another point of view that I I kind of see on both sides will frame their reading of this um, naming within monetary production. They both will repress abstractions. You'll kind of have this DSA read that's like saying, well, we, you know, we're busy. We don't have enough people at our meetings already. And like, we have 27,000 phone calls to make and doors to knock and what, you know, people power. And so they are doing all these abstract things they don't think of as abstract and they don't have enough dues. And there's this this sense of work and obligation and organization and monetary thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they're saying, well, mutual aid is like taking away from this other structure. That's the one we need to build. And then also you'll see on the other side, like some mutual aid discourse that will say, no, we have, because we want to like show the autonomy of our naming there's this sense of like, we have to repress, like you said, this monetary abstraction that is kind of built into this um, collective work and that the only way possible ever would be to like always repress the monetary abstraction. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Leading up to this episode, right? Like we've been talking about about all of the things that we like and want to affirm about mutual aid. And I, I think you you had a couple of examples that you wanted to talk about. Um, that will lead into the affirmation instead of just me like reading two sides of the lack. <laughs> well, you got uh, a lot of, a lot of you here mentioned like disaster relief, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you have uh, Occupy Sandy when they came in and um, were distributing clothes and blankets, uh, food, you know, and FEMA said they did it better than them. Or after Katrina, obviously, you have people come in and do uh, all types of disaster relief. You get, obviously, community fridges, you know, in Latin America, all throughout the region, they have Oya Comun, like the the common pot, Uh, you know, food pantries. You got autonomous tenant unions, right, where people are fighting to and evictions in their area, uh, childcare collectives, bookcases, rapid response networks to stop deportations. I mean, COVID, there's been like a huge explosion of different kinds of mutual aid, obviously, just, you know, again, where like scarcity is like imposed, right, where the state is not necessarily like spending like it should. And so you have like food relief, mask relief. Um, I know in DSA, there's always like discourse about like, uh, pullover prevention or like brake light yeah, events. Like, yeah, are, yeah. like parts of them are like, are we doing mere mutual aid? Right. <laughs> but also I think probably most DSAs who we don't want to like misrepresent them, but there's a lot of like more uh, libcommy or whatever type friendly people to that. I think who obviously are, don't give a fuck. Uh, 
bail funds, writing letters to people in jail, um, you know, self-defense classes, uh, you have anti-fash networks, uh, medics at protests. Yeah, I mean, it's and, and all of this is to say, right, like, it's a huge category. And one thing also that I wanted to to bring up is another thing that comes to mind when you talk about mutual aid is like GoFundMe's, right? Um, and right. and fundraising and transferring money, which some would dispute. This is another thing that we, we're we're like coming into this. We're like, oh man, this is a huge discourse, and like there's like whole realms of it. I feel like within like anarchist mutual mm-hmm. aid specialty world that like have very nuanced opinions on like is a GoFundMe donation right. between is that like aid people. Or is it charity yeah, and all, all of those things. Yeah, um, there's a lot of naming debates in this discourse. Yeah, and and you know, like I I think that even our anxiety about naming mutual aid as one thing um, speaks yeah. to all of the different registers in which mutual aid is operating beyond the immediate, right? Like there, there's a real concern as to what the discourse about mutual aid is. Um, Cause it's a huge anchoring category, right? Like helping each other <laughs> and within where there is like monetary scarcity has been imposed. I mean, that's, and then still work that hasn't been named with or given space to, that needs to happen. That, that's like huge realms, uh, right? Like, <laughs> absolutely. You got migrant stuff. You got you got like uh, you got the squats in Greece, like in Exarchia, where you have like buildings full of refugees who have like their little, you know. I mean, all these things. You got history of free breakfast. I mean, you could and two if you like. If you just look on Wikipedia, then they're also like medieval guilds, and <laughs> you know, like I'm like I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like. I don't think we even want to litigate like what is and is not mutual aid, no. right? Like I, I feel like there's there's an element of all of the things that you named uh, where mm-hmm. the mutual aid is taking place both with one foot inside the system that that it's mm-hmm. that it's trying to kind of you know, not buttress the system, but buttress the people who are neglected by that system, right? But also one foot mm-hmm. outside of it, you know, sort of in, in this autonomous or, or at the very least not being fully subjugated mindset, you know, by this sort of univocal yeah. categorization of what's of what's necessary and what's worth producing, right? Like there's there's a rebellious spirit to mutual aid, but there's but there's also, I think, so I wanted to relate this to the episode that you and Max just did about naming, right? And about what's your name? Mine is Natalie. <laughs> Mine is ENFP. <laughs> oh, oh, what are what are what are your other oh, names? Gosh. Uh Six Wings, Seven, <laughs> Aquarius, Flake is one from from our reading. Are you are you Flake? Well, m- more so than the other than the other one, which is an an overworker. Oh, I don't know this. I don't know yeah, this. Yeah, well game. this this is another personality test, but this one is grounded in in the science of naturally. <laughs> um, did you do the dishes or not? <laughs> um, Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, like I guess one comparison that I wanted to kind of draw out is that what mutual aid does in the absence of provisioning in one monetary regime is it introduces an element of of play with naming that goes beyond what has already been named as essential right like you know whether whatever is is thought of as the system daddy whatever (laughs) that has named as being 
essential and categorized as care work and everything else is free time. You know, I read in mutual aid as as a kind of a defiant naming of those things as work and as valid and as as very important. And this is that kind of proto monetary dimension that I that I want to get at. But I, I think that there's there's an element of play and of making naming our own. But not absolute. We want to get in where it's not absolutely our own, right? It's like this, this, um, like I mean, the example we've used a lot is with the mm-hmm. unis, right? Where uh, Jesus Resendiz is writing like a three-part series in Millennio now too, mm-hmm. um, and has been on Money on the Left. This idea of like kind of fiscal federalism, where like a a university is within a fiscal structure. Why couldn't they also be an emitter of credit? and not just a user. But anyway, yeah, does, we've talked about these things and that, yeah, usually these models often do have this other end where you're like dialoguing with so-called sovereignty, right? Or some, uh, unit, some power, right? That's, and then there's all these debates about, are you going to be subsumed by the state? Will they destroy your program? And we can go through those lists of naming too. Like, will the state name you and corrupt you? Or can the name, the naming of the state, like work from both directions? Um, right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and with naming, I mean, there's, there's that, that whole thing is like, we use language that, that we're, you know, given quote unquote, but like, we don't we don't use it the exact way that we're given it, right? That's not possible. There's there's always an element of human creativity with with how that language is being used that makes the language and that meaning non-identical to, you know, whatever we heard in the first place when we learned it. Nor absolutely non-identical. Yeah, and and that's I mean when we talk about the uni as one way of looking at money linguistically, mm. we're talking about this monetary authorization to do something social mm. that spending affords, literally affords. And in, in a sense, you know, queering that and queering that binary between the user of authorized goods, right? And the person who right, authorizes right. them. Daddy, not daddy. <laughs> <laughs> The things that make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like there's an interpretation of the kind of move that we're trying to make that I think I want to distance ourselves from, which is we're not just talking about like yeah. a petite daddy. Yeah, we're not. And we're not just saying the state isn't oppressive and enforcing of scarcity and violent. Like, that's why we're abolitionists, like state the right. But like that there is we're not denying that there's like a set of institutions or whatever you want to call it that like have um, historic scarcities that have been. Uh, legislated into them and maintained uh, for a variety of reasons, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. I lost my train of thought, please. It could be good to like spell out maybe for for new listeners or people who need a refresher um, what we're drawing on uh, on the MMT side of this, right? Because we've been talking a lot about naming and a lot about language, but my entry point into all of these things, which was, which, you know, my head exploded when I heard this last episode that Max and Natty did that was all about namings, um, naming things. Where I come at, come at these questions from in like a political economy sense is, you know, there's this phrase in heterodox political economy that is, uh, resources are not resources become. And what that phrase basically means is whether something is a resource is predicated on what it's being used to do, 
right? So there, there's an element of naming. I think that maybe we would push back against the word nature, right? Implying a kind of like, right. you know... Labor nature binary. Yeah, and, and a naming nature binary, right? That that things are yeah. nature... Well, that's part of labor. Exactly, yeah. That, that things are... Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. that, that labor is inscribing something that has never been part of something bigger before. It's like inscribing it right. with, with your, you know, with a new essence or something. And, and that's... You know that's that's definitely not the first, what we're the first machete. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's not what we're trying to say. But <laughs> taking this back to language, right? That that language is not also a story about power. So often, you know, language obviously is, and like you know, it's it's been something that is a huge um, theme in post-colonial studies about language being a way to control people's means of of articulation and expression and and just being and you know create a universalizing common denominator you know a square that none of the circles can quite fit into and then that creates an institutional reason to subjugate people right um but on the other hand we can't opt out of language right we can't opt out of of speaking and of positing things, but you know, the most that we yeah. can do is be. We also don't want to like get too like uh, obsessed with like an idiolect, you know, like right, like an idiolect is in like I am speaking the way only I speak because like that's also always true, like mm-hmm. that's right, but there's that's like where analogy comes in that yeah, like within language, there's always like these like um, each speech act is like a creation and, um, or writing or reading or whatever. I mean, these are all creations that also come from what comes before. I mean, there's always that, um, those kinds of tensions, but, um, we're, we're, whatever we say is not identical to whatever language we're using. Right. So like there, there is an element of, of us in whatever we're saying. But on the other hand, we're not speaking solely from some unmediated essence. That's us. Right. No. Um, that's, yeah. That's, right. That's right. totally, exactly. you know, different yeah. before being inscribed with language. It's like, no, this is this yeah. is a, a problem that we're all that we're that we're thrown into. Um, and, and I use problem here, not in not even necessarily in a negative sense. Right. But just in like, you know, yeah. this is a it's a problem of of creation and of naming that that we all that we all participate in and we want to affirm that in mutual aid right because we're saying like um we affirm this impulse that says okay um i'm just gonna do this for the people in my neighborhood and like we're getting fucked over by you know like our landlords here and like we need to like or like um some new real estate coming in, right? And we want to protect where we're living or, or not get evicted, you know? And uh, we're going to do work as a collective on that. And, you know, maybe one day you form an entity or you don't, or maybe you start getting donations or maybe you're never a, a, an entity, right? But there's um, all these tensions always about what work you're choosing that, yeah, I, I honor the ways in which there's always decisions about work to be done that's... that's so-called insight outside the job market, right? There's all, but there's all, and some people try and put that in this absolute binary, right? Where it's like your work and then you have like reproductive labor and then, you know, like what's, but 
and there's oh and there's always overlapping things that are are monetized or not monetized or unfairly monetized right and so so we're speaking to naming new kinds of works and even sometimes right um going above and beyond the labor most would put into that that's beautiful if that's something you want to do for people and create ongoing resistances and um, countings and obligations within communities that deserve um, something better than what they have and have been, you know, thrown into uh, or whatever to, to use that term. <laughs> um, but, um, but that's not outside. I think there's an impulse to that. We've talked a lot on the show about this, like um, craving for imminence for this reality of political action. And I think sometimes there can be the sense that uh, we're almost saying, no, like, nobody needs to do anything like no who gives a shit just chill and we want to say no we're like actually affirming of of um the beauty of the fact that people want to do work and that they want to make new things and create ongoing possibilities that will endure in time but that we do but that's also occurring in a situation of like this sort of impose monetary scarcity or the injustice of the naming of those structures in ways in which um, it's very tempting to say, well, the solution is just to be immediate to uh, tasks. And like, as we've said, to repress the, abs the abstraction of that naming, but, and that there's different names too. It's like, if you're anxious that there's so much that could be done, there's so much that's wrong. Right. And there's so little that we've been afforded and so it's the sense of, so we're not saying just because you can't heroically alone will yourself and all of us to to uh, nirvana that you should do nothing. It, it's neither of those, right? It's about that we are in this problematic and we are all naming and trying and we have limits and some people will do more and less and it's beautiful to want to do more and create things, but do this also with compassions and in this... and comfort with ambiguity <laughs> within these yeah <laughs> for, i mean for heaven's sake please yeah, i mean a, a, another way of saying this right is that like there will always be a need for mutual aid as as yeah. naming um that is participatory beyond any one center of naming <laughs> right which which you know you could say a monetary sovereign for instance right like um and that's not daddy. That's mommy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I mean, just to just to, to switch just to switch things yeah. up. <laughs> um, so just just to bring it back to to the Lee thing and and finish sketching that out, right? So like, resource resources are not resources become, right? That's that's not just an MMT thing. That's that's something that that post Keynesians and and just you know. People who are in ecological economics, like, you know, they're, they're already hip to that, right? Um, but I think what MMT adds to that realization is that resources are not resources become. That becoming, being predicated on naming, means that spending as a first act is an act of naming, right? It's, and, and that's, and that's what I want to, to almost universalize at you know not universalize in like a flat concrete way but say that spending is an analog of 
naming as participation, right? The the spending um, that that causes something to be a resource and not not a resource, right? That act of naming is as one analog realizing this problematic that we're all in of naming and authorizing ourselves socially to do things. Um, And what I think mutual aid does that's so powerful is it shows that however much, you know, a monetary sovereign to use the like the MMT 1.0 kind of language would would claim that no, all jobs have to come from the currency issuer, or if not the currency issuer from a capitalist, right? At at one legal register that that may certainly be true, but as as we've shown with uh, as the money on the left collective has shown with like you know our uni proposal, which is a proposal for universities to you know gentrify <laughs> gentrify oh my god <laughs> jesus christ Sorry. um not to gentrify um, which is a proposal for, for universities to continue to provision themselves beyond what they've been authorized to by by monetary sovereigns vis-a-vis state budgets or you know tuition revenues or whatever that are all denominated in dollars right um but to use that that slippage of being in this kind of middle position of, you know, universities pass along a lot of dollars and they and they provision a lot of people and they're they're very much caught up not just as currency uh users in this like very, very narrow way, but actually, you know, they they have such expected revenues, you know, pouring in all the time that they can issue IOUs and those IOUs can have, you know, the ability to be accepted by other people, you know, not by virtue of like the university is declaring its independence from society or something like that, right? Like that's not the point. The point is that the university is actually drawing on its interdependence with society in order to issue its own currency, in order to issue its own naming of things that 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 should be named as being socially useful right so like what does austerity do austerity says that all these people who are unemployed we're naming them as not skilled as not employable right and 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 that's a that's an act of monetary naming and what the uni proposal does is it it names them differently and it names them differently while drawing upon accounting, which is, you know, common to language in general, right? Like we can't, you know, I can't talk about even even something that we're totally imagining is like, you know, univocally different and absolute alterity, you know, my my autonomous mutual aid network. Even just in articulating that, I've I've already implicated accounting because I've said that there's one of it, right? right. And that there's only one other, and it's like there's just like this pure dialectic, right? Like we're in our squat, and then we go to work, and we have the outside money, mm-hmm. and then we have the inside house money, right? And then there's an absolute binary, and so then there's also this like fears of contaminations, right? And 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 that is an interesting question to address, right? Because some people say, well. Well, if you're going to do this uni, like, why why interact with, uh, like, uh, 
sovereignty or the state system at all? Why do you want, why don't you just like uh, keep it? We're not, we're not repressing monetary counting. We're just repressing working with the dominant monetary counting. Like we want to like build up an alternate uh, version. Like what would be our, uh, our, our, our pushback on that? Yeah. So like, I mean, I, I think that that sort of, vision of like you know we're starting from within the system but eventually we're gonna like cut the umbilical cord and become totally autonomous or something like that for one thing it's the interdependence in the first place that that austerity can't erase that gives universities the power to do this to begin with right and so there's there's an entanglement that that cannot just be willed away or wished away um but also right like the whole point of this is not to make universities sovereign governments that can do whatever they want because the whole point is that that vision of a sovereign government whose money goes on forever because their sovereign will goes on forever yeah so a lot of people get anxious when we talk about infinity because they just think you're saying whatever the fuck like spend on whatever spend this is liberalism everybody can be a billionaire like it's that's not what infinity is that's one that's a liberal imagination of infinity <laughs> yeah absolutely and it's and it's it's infinity um starting yeah. from a will right and any time yeah. that that infinity is constrained by a legal will or like by one entity's naming system Right. Then, I mean, naming in that sense does work by excluding. Right. It draws a boundary and says we can have in, an infinite amount of these things. Right. But it doesn't say infinite everything. Yeah. Right. And so there's there's an element. And we're in- aware that there's limits of power. Right. We're aware that like different currencies give you different amount, different kinds, different qualia of infinity and limits on the quality of your infinities. Right. <laughs> due to like hierarchies if that would due to the way things have happened so far right Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know if that's how you would put it but like that does that make sense The, the point i guess is that is that the possibility of creation is an infinite horizon but it you know but it it's infinite precisely because no one person's participation in creation is more than an analog of it Right. Um, and and so it's not just a flat thing of like a bunch of infinite wills, you know, that are that are all right. staring up right. into the sky, projecting as far as far as they can. Right. Like mansions everywhere. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, I I guess one one way to, to answer your question, right, like we could turn it back to personality systems and McKinsey and- work tweeted that uh that she wished that the queer youth uh treated treated Enneagram as real even though she didn't like classificatory systems and not as a star sign and I was like I was like does McKinsey work listen to her <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting she might honestly we're yeah, like sure. she very well may not also but then I was just like I mean I like star signs but Enneagram is yeah, anyway, just like already that's like yeah, I have a Go lot ahead, of say it. It's more probably. scientific. Is that what you wanted to say? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't I don't know if that's the No, it's definitely not. But I mean there there is I don't I don't even know. I, I, yeah. I I'm more interested in Enneagram 
than I am in astrology. I'll, yeah, say, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that we just use the power of name. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but please go on your interconnection. I, yeah, I, I rudely <laughs> interrupted. No, it was it was great. It was mommy, mommy sovereign. What, what we could know? call a ritornello. <laughs> Um, yeah, a little, yes. a little uh, what do you call it? The little whirlpools on the side of a stream where you just get lost in a little. It's like a eddy of an death. eddy. That was it. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, of life. Thank you very much. Um, oh, right. Yes. <laughs> some some bataille there. They're the spiral same thing. in the water yeah. really really reassures me. The never ending spiral. Well, you no, know, it's not a perfect spiral. If that makes you feel better. Right. Um, sure. Just get get me on a raft. It'll be great fun. I think one of the things that I wanted to to really get across is that the act of naming, um, in like a really mundane way that's like not very interesting on its own. Um implicates counting one natalie two natasha three natita four nat- one collective right <laughs> yeah. my collective my yeah, autonomous all- right like the idea of autonomy right what precedes mm. that is drawing yeah. a boundary around yourself as one entity right there is some fetish of the idiolect there for sure yeah um but i i guess so like in in this kind of mundane way naming always implicates accounting um, what makes it monetary for me is that, I mean, this is, this is another way to say this, right? It's like, this is what, what money does when we spend money, we, we name something as a resource and we choose to do that. And I think that that's what happens at the level of a mutual aid group deciding to do something. What do we have around that's a resource that we can use, right? Because mutual aid is all about, you know, you 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 use what you have at hand as a collective um, or you cultivate it over time, right? But the point is that you use whatever's within grasp in a democratic way. And as far as people power too, right? Like you're trying to build power and so you're trying to like build class power and like build capacity for the future disasters and like to have... Um collectives already built up right like there's this sense of becoming people too in like a lot of the mutual aid discourse right yeah absolutely um yeah and i i guess i also want to spell out like what what the stakes are for us in in reading mutual aid as naming right because i i want to say that the as the enneagram we're going to put our cards on the table that this is going to transition to we we may never talk about mmt again this is the enneagram um, podcast a- now which, which which we knew we knew as soon as natalie joined as a co-host that it was only a That's matter of time rude. stop naming medasha she's furrowing through okay. <laughs> um not the same it's not the same but yeah i mean you know one thing that we've been that we've been hinting at with with mutual aid so far you know we see it as naming um and we think that there's that naming is not all bad right that's that's a key takeaway i think from the last episode that that you did with max um because naming things is incomplete inherently um when we name things and we don't acknowledge that that's incomplete and that that's just participating in the game, right, in rulemaking and in playing at the same time. Oh. Uh, when when we don't acknowledge that, 
right? Like that that can be oppressive, right? Because then what then you're saying you're this thing. Of course. And you have to be this thing and if you're and if you don't fit the thing that I just named you, then you're defective. It's super dangerous to repress the fact that you're abstracting with language. Like yeah, to abstract to repress that you're making rules that you're and and to be fair, a lot of like, you know, a lot a lot of mutual aid or whatever or uh, whether we're including the NGO sector or not, or whatever, all these, a lot of people are, in anarchists, are very aware of of, of um, the need for collective uh, obligation and rulemaking and uh, process. A lot of them are, in fact, obsessed with that, yeah. right? But there's yeah, still I mean, is... that's, it's the stereotype about about anarchists is that it's it's an endless cycle of committee meetings and stuff. Yeah, because the anxiety about the potential evils of naming things, of positing things, of of inscribing the world in all of these ways that will then limit other people's autonomy to inscribe the world in ways, you know, and do these things. And so there's, there's a fantasy of like, how can I have the smallest footprint possible so that I'm not taking up space in this group? And, you know, like, I mean, I, while also being the biggest in terms of like, um, getting good work done, which again, we want to affirm the beauty of people's desire to get good work done. Right. right? But that doesn't mean there's a one to, you can't just say this is the line and that we know it'll go this way. Yeah. <laughs> like the beauty of your desire doesn't mean your one plan is right. Absolutely. And, and, and I think that, that mutual aid itself. Um, or the only one. Yeah. And, and mutual aid itself, I think, you know, like, when, when I say I think that mutual aid is always um, going to be necessary as a practice, right? Like naming things outside of other people's systems of naming things, you know, participating in naming in an ongoing way, in other words, rather than being yeah. like, oh, that's the namer forever now. No, it, you're affirming the rebellion of participating that you can't get outside of, but affirming that, yeah, you can rebel within the participation which isn't a fetish of leaving participation. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's an it's instead saying that that contesting the inside is inalienably part of the inside, right? Um, which which I I want to not say it's a six is... nine dialectic. <laughs> that's that's the um, well. Now, now you've said it, so you ne- I think you need to explain, Graham. This is an oh, Enneagram oh, reference, God. and I'm oh. I'm putting Natty on the spot now because I don't want to edit it out. Oh well, well six is kind of coming out of this like um, the center of this thing, this so-called thinking kind of doubting movement, right? And then you can have um, where you're going in different directions, like when you have a security point you're experimenting with, right? Like, so for six, that would be like three in the system and like a stress point or no, wait, oh, the reverse. Sorry. The stress point is the three for the six. Anyway, and the security point is the nine is the nine, which is kind of like this um, kind of summing up of the others. And it's this sort of more um, reconciling movement, right? This sort of narcoticizing and they both have work. Yeah. Like the sort of six is kind of dealing with this um, sort of underdog rebellion also with this other side of like loyalty to the collective right and the nine is kind of dealing in these themes of like um uh participation uh you know very very amy goodman keeping the peace it's like six is like it's like if you had dick if you want to like see six nine it's like you should look up like amy goodman interviewing uh dick gregory or something going to mean anything to me. I'm going to put I'm going to put the link to that on YouTube in the description of this episode. 
and uh, and I'm 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 a six, so that was that was Natty uh, diagnosing my six to nine movement. What happens now. when you have OCD? Uh, I like I like our shape. Well, we were talking about naming and how it's like you can rebel yeah, we're on a roll now. within um, systems of oh, naming. Oh right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, because when you're creating, because part of participating in language, mm-hmm. right, like. Um, you know, for me, coming from the four place to the two in <laughs> language education, right? From this, but there's always, yeah, there is like this sort of not imminence of language creation, but there is this sense of like you're in that, and there's this like outwardness too that is um, with that. But our point is that there, there's a desire sometimes, sometimes in what might look like that. No, they're embracing abstraction. They're embracing governments and rules. They're just saying you can't do it inside right that outside over here is where we can really do good abstraction we're saying no sometimes there is an extent to which they're overcompensating they've repressed the abstraction and so they're like over leaning into abstraction but they still haven't like reckoned with that problematic that is always an issue right the the riddle of care or whatever like you want to fucking call it like yeah which can only work at multiple different registers of of participation and and creating new systems and playing within them and changing them and not and all of these things it can only work you know through through naming through positing things you know but you could but the the point though is to posit them in in a way that does not cut off other people's participation in that naming process in 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 wherever they are and that is not particularly like uh useful like because you know what you actually see when you look at mutual aid is like a beautiful like diversity of practices and it does make me think of good lord like there are like so many things wrong and like it also is like beautiful the quantity of projects that do exist and that do have like institutional histories, formal or informal in all different ways, and that you can name so many things as part of mutual aid that in a way it makes me sad that like at the same time there's so much energy put into not because there's some zero-sum amount of energy, but it's just like of shoring up like, well, what is mutual aid? Is it is it just donations or like is that just charity? Or well, no, we're not just charity, because oh well, you know, we're not just like maintaining class. And, and these are interesting analyses, mm-hmm. right? I think it's important to state the difference from, yeah, like philanthropists who do want to just put on band-aids and, and make things look like they're putting change so that power doesn't change. And, um, but we also don't want to say that their taxes pay for society, right? But <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not like we should just tax them or it's like we can just tax them because it's not democratic for them to have that much money. But, but um, I, I guess it makes me sad when people are like, uh, if you have a, a campus, you have an autonomous organizer, and then uh, maybe this can transition in, and then they get they get siphoned into the NGO industrial complex. And believe me, I don't know that much about that world, but I'm sure there's like a ton of problems. Like you know, there is the scarcity built in, right? Of like donors that that there can be professional channels where like this is something we'd want to rebel against within participation, right? Like the austerity and punishment and discipline that doesn't contribute to good things happening. That's just disciplinary, right? That isn't about actual like good work getting done or um, say, Oh, and then they're getting, Oh, now they're, they're lost to the professional jobs where they're getting paid. And, and I understand that there is this critique of like this sort of Libby uh, in some readings, a uh, sense of like uh, people say, 
pay me, pay me for doing the mutual aid of like listening to you talk about your feelings for 30 minutes. <laughs> like very over the top yeah. case, which I don't know if that's like a thing that's never happened mm-hmm. to me, but I'm sure there's people who do that. <laughs> but, um, and, and I understand both sides of that. Like I understand the kind of like affirming that people want to get paid. Yeah. And also the saying like, oh, well, I can see where there's cynicism in this. Like, right. Well, well, because, because on the one hand, paying people to do things is, how society whatever regime we're talking about that you know that is that denomination of currency right like that's how people are being validated right as as you know and they're socially authorized to be the way that they are because we've paid them and they can handle their expenses um right and so there's that it's it's a desire to be to be recognized as valid um but then that's it of course is going to become cynical if you take money um, at the liberal definition's word for what it is as zero sum and as only fundraising, right, from people in a zero sum yeah. way. Everyone ever was a user of currency. Even the yeah, the, the state too is using its own currency. It, yeah, it, not to just like say it in that way, but that 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 that, that currency was use always mm-hmm. only right. That it only and it, we were only ever at the end point of of monetary naming. Yeah. Does that make no, sense? No, a- absolutely. That... Yeah. I mean, there's there's a sense in which, you know, we're we're irreversibly currency users or something. Yeah. Maybe maybe now would be a good time to turn to one of our to one of our readings, which is um, we wanted to read from a work by Dean Spade, which uh, I don't know if um, you want to introduce who Dean Spade is. Yeah, so I've learned about Dean Spade recently uh, from Will, because Will's like, uh, into the was the one who's like, got us into mutual aid discourse. That was a horrible introduction. You say, I just delete that. Um, <laughs> but um... <laughs> He's an associate professor at Seattle University of Law. He has a new best-selling book out, Mutual Aid, Building Solidarity He's During This Crisis and the Next. Ladies and gentlemen, Dean Spade. <laughs> Do, do mutual aid books best sell? That's cool. Though. Yeah, it's uh, and trust me, he's anxious about it. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, I mean, he's an associate professor at Seattle University School of Law. Um, he has a book that I wanted to read from called Mutual Aid, Bil- Building Solidarity During This Crisis and the Next. I love how your tone just got sadder. <laughs> well, you know, and the next. <laughs> like, I mean, that's just... This crisis, that crisis, <laughs> this crisis, that crisis. Yeah, I mean, well, but this is this is what's so kind of interesting um, and and telling is like even in the book title, right? Like there's there's a sense that we're always going to be in a crisis. Or and it's always one. It's not that there's interlocking. <laughs> right, right, crises. right. It's it's each time you're in the one crisis. Uh huh. Yeah, which is you know whatever crisis of capitalism we're in right now basically is is i think what that means katrina <laughs> which was in many ways the after effects right where you know uh racial capitalism was uh, all those effects were very clear right um i feel like there's a sense also like in this title and in this framing that our biggest opportunity for mutual aid is whenever capitalism goes into a crisis Right, which which I think which I think belies a kind of a, a a reliance or an internality to capital, 
even though even though folks like Dean Spade want to see themselves as no, we're just taking advantage of when capital is weak in order to like to get outside of it somehow. But it's like, no, you're still predicating your ability to participate in, you know, provisioning work and and being an authority of of shaping caretaking on whether or not capitalism has gone into a crisis or not. Um, but I think to, to spell out some of these stakes for the different ways to read mutual aid, um, I think it's worth spelling out, you know, I mean, we started to already, but... We're afraid of austerity. Yeah. Um, spelling <laughs> out, like... MMT won't become understood. You can't have abolitionary MMT if, you're, mm-hmm. if your understanding of mutual aid is just starve the state. Yeah, and and that's something that I mean I I didn't listen to this interview, but I think you did, where where um, Spade Spade uses the phrase right, like we need to starve the state on a show we like. A on show a show we, we like. like, yeah. Shout out to Death Panel. Yeah, Dean Spade, I think we we chose as kind of a paradigmic example of somebody who sees mutual aid as fundamentally outside of the system and money is is a telltale sign that you're in the system for spade because as soon as money is involved then that means that somebody has ownership over the work rather than the people having ownership over the work right so there, there's a whole section it's actually called handling money oh, Jesus. and we can nod to some historical examples right we can nod to some that are negative histories right where domestic abuse um entities like become uh, interiorized to the the carceral complex right or when uh well that's my main example um, (laughs) well i mean but another historical example and maybe uh, this is a little bit snarky but like another historical example is the franciscans well i was saying of a bad example of no totally yeah yeah but um but yeah like for the franciscans there was also a big um there was an anxiety about handling money. Um, you know, the, the Franciscan order, which which happens in like 14th century, 13th century, like, you know, beginning of, of Western modernity, um, they see themselves as basically connecting contiguously one-to-one, you know, I don't want to go into all of the Franciscan stuff, but like, you know, basically we're going to go out and, and live in nature and we're going to just help each other through just pure mutual aid. Touching, touching grass. Yeah, we're going to touch grass. We're going to go visit the poor and help them. And then maybe sometime later they'll they'll visit us, but we don't know for sure that they'll visit us, but that's okay because it's, it's a... <laughs> We visit each other. It's a okay? selfless act two, every time that we do two it. Two lepers meet on the road. <laughs> um, but like, but like the Franciscans <laughs> famously had had people who carried their purses for them and handled money on their behalf, right? Um, and and there's a section in in Spade's text on mutual aid where he talks about handling money and the challenges of handling money and you know you can you can have paid staff but as soon as you have paid staff then it's going to create inherent power imbalances where you know their work is going to be valued more than the work of volunteers and whoever's paying them also because of course money can't come from inside right money always comes from outside 
Yeah, because as if as if if everyone were volunteers, there wouldn't be people who just like were getting. I mean, of, of course, collective democracy that would be something you would want to work mm-hmm. against. But yeah, there's these injustices would occur, right? Like these are things you're always dealing with the people who are getting valued more or less, and things that are unfair, and then that would be something you're immediately dealing with. Just the way that that occurs um, society wide, right? Yeah, the but that that's an interesting way of putting it. That it's like by. By saying we're, I mean, people critique this a lot, right? Like with horizontal, horizontal models that are absolutely horizontal, that there's like a repression of dynamics that are occurring. Yeah. Right? Um, like the, the, there are leaders, there are valuations being made, right? And then just denying money doesn't get rid yeah, of Yeah. And, and even horizontalism is an act of naming, right? Um, and of so course. this is. And in in some sense, right, we come full circle to to the like you know Hobbesian like social contract, right? That's you know we're all we're all um, choosing to be for the collective instead of for ourselves um, because it's the right thing to do, right? And that's the difference. Whereas for for Hobbes, it's like this is a cost benefit analysis, but but mutual aid here is no, we've been conditioned into thinking in terms of cost and costs and benefits, but actually. It's ethical to sacrifice whenever necessary for mutual aid and that, you know, but like we want to get out of this register of self-sacrifice in the first place. Because I think people who get effective work done, like even, I think even, I think even if you are outside like so-called like monetary naming, I think, I think when people get work done, it's not usually as effective if they're talking about self-sacrifice all the time, not because that they shouldn't talk about their pain, but because that doesn't engender like the ability to function well if you just keep talking about self-sacrificing all the time. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. And it, I think you should talk about what is hurting you and what. You know what I mean? like, yeah, and and try to figure out ways to work with that as opposed to just like I don't know. Does that yeah, make sense? and you know, but but then there there's a way also that I really want to focus in on in which all of this is conditioned by a very austere. Um, idea of what mutual aid is in the first place, right? Where there's there's this of idea course. that, you know, we're going to get outside of money. We're going to get outside of naming things with money, right? We're still going to name things in the sense... Or create a perfect uh, flat currency that's just like these chits that, yeah, the all subjugation has been permanently banished. Right. Not that that doesn't sound noble. It's just, I don't... I think there's like an absolute horizontality... It doesn't sound like anything that ever exists. I don't know. An absolute. Yeah, and and the yeah. absolute horizontality or <laughs> horizontalism, I guess. Um, the absolute horizontalism. It it implies boundaries, right? You you have to decide. You know, well, we're all horizontal, and these other people aren't in the collective because they're not horizontal, right? So, so from the outset, you've, you've already created a logic of inside and outside, which, yeah, it's going to be... Which is part of naming, uh-huh. but it's the shape of that naming that we're talking about, where it's like, I think it's okay to ascribe value and to say, like, types of horizontality have value. It's, but I think you're talking about an exclusionary naming where your, your boundary drawing is, like, too early, right? And it's not... Uh, well drawn and and sometimes drawn in ways that don't help elucidate what 
we think is like really the goal. Mm-hmm. But what I do want to say is that I think that this title represents a tendency that uh, we've commented on a lot on this podcast in the past, which is to subordinate care to power and say basically that care and caring for each other is kind of what we do in the shadow of violent power, right? So you have these these acts of violence by people who have the ability to to commit violence, and then care is kind of what we do as we're sort of trying to regain ourselves and you know like stay alive while while the you know this awful fallen regime is in power well it's the it's the always it's the ongoing problem right and so that's beautiful because there's so many infinite shortfalls that uh we really it's it's honorable this work to try to um fill in this care for each other in our ongoing production and reproduction outside of like as we've talked about what's been officially named because precisely that's been done in uh, such an unjust uh, way when it doesn't have to be that way, right? And so there's such trauma, you know, even though we have a welfare state, it's it's all means testing and and uh, lots of administrative bullshit, you know, so many places in our society where there should be aid, there isn't aid, right? And, and so it, uh, we all see in different ways these shortfalls and can recognize it. And so... Uh, I think we are all in different ways. That's what we would want to aim towards, right? Is like, how do we repair or do types of repairs, right? And so that's kind of a question everybody's invested in, you know? Not everybody, but... <laughs> you know, in, in, in their own ways. You know, people can't help. People can't help but yeah. care, good and bad, right? A lot of, a lot of care, quote-unquote, broadly defined, is, is maintaining a carceral system mm-hmm. right um mm-hmm. you know but, th- but these things are care in the capacious sense of there being no outside of this shared horizon of maintaining this world for for good and for bad well, all that care that's um, carceral right the whole point is to like make it not to make other kinds of decisions about uh how we uh employ ourselves yeah and and i think you know we've we've already sort of hinted at this all already but i think what we want to say is so significant about mutual aid that we that we don't want to get lost in what some people some would maybe consider the minutia or you know the real kind of day-to-day significance of you know delivering food to people or you know caring for caring for children and you know community members and all of that kind of thing um is the fact that mutual aid both being of this world that is simultaneously provisioning a carceral state and is affording, you know, indirectly, but is indirectly affording mutual aid, right? Right, Um, right. What it's contesting is a misuse of fiscal power, right, towards a kind of abandonment, right? Because if you were to take the current kind of fiscal authorities word for it as to who deserves work, who deserves to be cared for, I mean, unemployment is your answer, right? Like there, there are people who, who the system, quote unquote, is, is neglecting. And I think that mutual aid holds open 
that contestation, uh, which is a fundamentally monetary contestation. I want to honor the fact that people are rightly traumatized by institutions, right? And and by institutions that on the one hand tell them they exist to, to protect them and then do the exact opposite, right? But I think that However, there is... No. <laughs> <laughs> but I, w- I want to honor that trauma while, while nevertheless insisting that in contesting it through... That mutual aid is, is actively contesting it, right? Yeah. That mutual aid is not fully on the outside of of these systems nor is it fully on the inside and i think that this dichotomy of whether you're on the inside or outside no, it's actually it's actually a, systems... a rhizome i think so, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's just like oh a big a big ginger root that we all live inside we're, we're, ge- we're gonna have delusians listening to this just nodding along being like i knew it they're delusians delusians um, <laughs> what did you say the other um, day delusians of grandeur i wrote it down <laughs> Delusions of grandeur. Uh, yeah, keep keep your ears open for for that upcoming episode when we figure out what on earth we want to say about Deleuze that would warrant that kind of a title. But um, <laughs> could be anything, really. Yeah, that uh, as, as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, this desire to be outside of institutions ends up bleeding over into a desire to be outside of money um, and outside of, of fiscal policy and outside of abstraction in general which is for us what money whether it's the dollar or local currencies some are good in some ways some are bad in some ways but it's always an issue yeah they're they're analogs of this problem of naming and socially authorizing what is to be done that's unavoidable okay that was the most lenin you've ever gotten (laughs) wait till we get to part three which i'm i'm tentative i'm tentatively calling what is to be done Um, (laughs) and and when i say it's a contestation that's unavoidable i don't mean it's a conflict that's unavoidable in in the sense of there being some kind of a zero-sum thing but rather the world will never not be ordered in all kinds of of complicated ways well Um, and repressing it is repressing the politics and aesthetics or proto-aesthetic as scott would say of fiscal policy is precisely can be the problem, right? There is a historical thing where like fiscal policy became depoliticized. And part of that is like a purposeful obfuscation within the model itself, right? But I think part of our gambit is like this participating in the politicization of the fiscal without this sort of gloss of, of a professional, um, moneyness perfection right do you know what i mean but like kind of this repoliticization of the vulgarness of of contesting uh money and so kind of we affirm that mutual aid is like kind of playing with the vulgar assertion of what do we want to name what do we really want to be doing what is actual aid to each other but we would maybe want to push back on repressing the fiscal and wanting to somehow starve the state, which is anyway a tax-based model, but also is like repressing this engagement that, you know, a lot of people who have been in the Money in the Left universe have talked about, you know, Jacob Fennig or uh, different people, David Freund, the politicization of money is this sort of 
lost horizon, right? At the turn of the 20th century, all these things that's always, and it's, but that always is still going on all the time, but there's a repression of the ability for that politicization to be more popular, right? To be more popular in a way. Um, and, and we want to do that all at onceness and not repress that. If, if you repress the idea of there being an outside, we've talked about this a lot with all of the different metaphors about, you know, Western civilization loves ship metaphors, right? It's like, you know, you don't rock the boat, you know, or any port in the storm, right? All of these terms that, that suggest basically a precarious position where we're all we have in this enclosed space. And because of that, uh, we go into social situations without leverage to to stand up for ourselves and to to say no to abuse and that kind of thing. Um, and you know, we we've talked about this in the context of of the Brunig's obsession with the <laughs> nuclear families, too. Right? Um, we need to have more talking shit about the Brunig's. I don't know, just more more of that. Just more. I, I mean, I know it's like repetitive, but it's like it's a good. It's a good. It's a uh, good repetition. bad infinity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they also seem to insist on repetition, and people don't seem to catch on to their game. So Liz, homophobic and transphobic on the timeline. What <laughs> we forgot? Amnesia. Oh <laughs> <laughs> they just want social democracy. They just want a welfare state. Okay. Yeah, they just want to s- s- secure a, a future for the children of social democracy. (laughs) Um, Anyway. uh, (laughs) um, So, right. So this this section, signs of overwork and burnout. Um, You know, this takes place over the backdrop of this idea that you have to make this organization work or else all of the work that you're doing goes away, right? So you have to make the dynamics in the organization work and that... And that basically here is, I think, you know, what could be called maybe an emotional economy, there, uh, you know, and an and economy of boundaries and, and limits and people trying to calibrate how much capacity do I have versus this person so that everybody is kind of suffering the same. Because there's a reckoning with like where there's an always incompleteness, right? And there's a mourning that goes with that. But sometimes the way that people try and share up that morning is just to like double down more on being strict and making sure the thing works. And, you know, like there's a, a everything kind of like has its, its, its newness and its deteriorations. And these are not in Pareto balance and preordained, but there's always things that are breaking and then starting. And I think sometimes that creates anxiety about projects where, they want to make sure they're not wasting their time and make sure we're doing something good. And I think that's honorable to want things to actually be better and work out for people. But you also have to, if you don't honor the slippages that are there always, that you can discipline away the, sli- the, the slippage. Do you know what I mean? And in, in a way that mm-hmm. isn't going to work except to burn everybody out even more with your seminar on burnout. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, that's extremely well put. Um, And I I think that the words will fly off the page from there. Um, But yeah, so signs of overwork and burnout. So high stress when thinking about tasks being performed by someone else who might do it differently 
or the group coming to a different decision than we would make. <laughs> if, if, if you feel like going off the handle about minutes, <laughs> you might feel <laughs> burning um, out. <laughs> right. Although I do think that it's interesting in that this is framed as, it's framed as a sacrifice, right? Um, the group comes to a different decision than we would make. And we have to be mature enough to know to just let it happen. Right. So there's like a selfishness thing. They're not they're not being self-sacrificing enough Um, or desire to endlessly be given credit for our work again. Right. That's that's literally there's a scarcity of credit. You're burnt out if nobody is like giving you any recognition. It's like, well, yeah, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) but that comes from a deeper scarce, a deeper scarcity in our that's been designed. And it's true that one person can't change that, but to not honor some of the impulses emotionally maybe maybe just people affirming them isn't gonna like fix everything but you can be on your way towards a practice you know Mm -hmm. absolutely um and over promising and under delivering i'm jumping around a lot just kind of picking up please please um over promising and under delivering which can lead to feeling fraudulent and afraid of being caught so far behind regular neoliberal panic but 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 for the left for the left yeah i you feel anxious that the left might catch you over promising <laughs> right so yeah. you don't want that you know unless you can deliver no pressure yeah right Jesus. i mean there's a way in which this is like made the fault of the person for over promising and and under delivering and so I, Maybe it sounds nitpicky, but what I'm trying to kind of get at here is that there's a sort of a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing that I think is an artifact of, well, we're working under conditions of scarcity, right? Um, And so we're all going to have to make sacrifices. Yeah, you have to be mad at yourself that you haven't taken care of yourself enough so that you can take care of the collective who hasn't taken care of you. It's like this, and you just keep moving where you are on the chessboard, but it doesn't, I don't know, it's just like circular in a way. We understand the emotional impulse to be like, hey, like, look, if if you are feeling like nobody notices you or gives a fuck about you, you might need to like bathe more, you know, but it's like, but all, but also maybe the problem is that you wanted it all in the first place. Have you thought about that? Is that the, do you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know if I'm making sense. It intuitively to me makes sense, but I don't quite know how to articulate it. Yeah. I mean, you know, for, for me, like it's triggering of how I felt in, in certain jobs before, Uh, ironically in, in nonprofit jobs, which, which similarly, you know, operate uh, in a kind of a, an austere emotional economy, (laughs) right? Where, Where you, you don't, you know, everybody's sort of burnt out. Right. And so everybody needs to discipline themselves to self-care enough so that they don't make their burnout the problem of the group. And and we understand, too, where people want to repress this, like, pure... Uh so-called neoliberal self-help where it's like if i'm just extra nice and loving i can like cure the group into not being burnt out i don't know but it's just like where <coughs> it's like the infinite turtles at some point you know you do have i don't i don't know there's it's always partial you can yeah. you can do some and there's other things you can't do but it's it's an it's an honorable problem to have it's not <laughs> it's not as if you're a fraud by having the problem nor is there necessarily a simple fix but the question itself is important yeah, and and I feel like actually zeroing in on the kind of neoliberal self-help thing, 
that's another th- another thing that returns repressed here um, a- as a symptom of this underlying kind of scarcity framework, right? Is that scarcity is kicked down into, well, it's a mindset thing. I mean, we would say it's <laughs> adjacent to a mindset thing in the sense it's a framing thing and it's an understanding thing of how the of how the institutions that you're operating in, like what their potentials are and, and what you can literally do in them. But here, uh, you know, one of one of these bullets is having feelings of scarcity drive decision making. Quote, there's never enough money slash time slash attention. No shit. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> I mean, this entire section is testament to the fact that feelings of scarcity like are are there as a premise. Right. Right. Totally. I think that leaning into this naming, this proto-fiscal, proto-monetary, overlapping with the nation state in the sense that, you know, nobody in a mutual aid network, you know, doesn't use money in some other part of their life, right? You know, so money and supply chains and all these things are, they're in the background conditioning, even if even if we're imagining our mutual aid work as like we're, you know, we're closing the door on the economy and we're getting down to to non-quantitative social relations, which, you know, I mean, I I love rich, rich qualitative, like diversity. And I think that we want to say that that naming things and counting things does not necessarily imply flattening those experiences or replacing those experiences with numbers right um or homogenizing them into some kind of a common unit of account or maybe a common language you know or something like that you know those those dimensions of power and and control and all these things they're always implicated but you know it would be a mistake i think to reduce the history of language to powerful people writing dictionaries and we have to name the bastard dictionary writers we're going to be like webster you're a bitch <laughs> and then that's part of that's part of the rebellion <laughs> right or but you know by contrast right like this approach and this is the last bullet that sure I'll read, please you know says um another sign of burnout is dismissal of the significance of group process right which you know again is you know you're you're dismissing the significance of sacrificing yourself for the group. Right? Yeah, for I'm confused process. on what Spades like read on this. Yeah, it's like hard for me to tell what is his perspective. Like, is he saying you're burnt? Because when I'm burnt out, I just don't want to do shit. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. And... <laughs> but 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 is he saying that this is bad? You feel this way because you're doing something wrong to feel that way, or it's like it's, I'm confused on that, or it's symptomatic. Or it's kind of that ambiguity. Like, is this a judgmental? There's tension and, and anxiety about this because Dean does not want it to be judgmental. Right, um, right. And, and, goes, and goes at pains at, at every step of the way to double back and say, there's this kind of unwinnable situation here emotionally, but it's important to not take that personally. Right, right or right. not internalize that as something that you did wrong. Right, you right. You know, um, so so there's there's a way of like, you know, well the world is fucked, so it's it's not my fault that I need to, you know, but but nevertheless, right, you're still being disciplined into sacrificing yourself. And then the rest of that quote um, is dismissal of the significance of group process and overvaluation of how the group is perceived 
by outsiders, <laughs> such as funders, elites, and others, right? Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's a sign um, of burnout as much as just a sign of uh, you have... Of, uh, of being in a cult. Yeah, yeah. Or, um, or being really, really <laughs> short on money and not knowing what your next step is. You're misbehaving by wanting the money. You're so desperate. I mean, I understand that there are a lot of ways in which groups are, again, as we've mentioned, get um, scared. The discipline becomes internalized right to the group. This we want to yeah. make sure we get the grant or make sure yada yada. So we don't want to like step out of line or be too informal. And then how that internalizes. But the, the, the this is just. This is misdiagnosing, like the where the root causes. Like it's diagnosing it as like, as opposed to yeah, like you're stressed about funds, but it's not because you're like proud and just like, like come on, give me funds, and that that is like this need for recognition is your problem. It's like no, stop wanting the funds. You know, that's it's like I just feel like it's it's putting its diagnosis in the wrong place. Yeah, and 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 that's something that he'll hedge sort of against against both sides of that and right. you know, he'll I mean basically his his position is well there are pros and cons to either using money or not using money <laughs> right uh, where whereas obviously for for us we want to say that there's there's no outside of using money you're either just ad- admitting it and being reflexive about it and then maybe you can you can use it democratically or you're repressing it and it shows up in all these weird symptoms that you then call burnout right right um, right, right another thing that I want to point out i mean how the group is perceived by outsiders such as funders elites and others right outsiders are being aligned with money right money is coming from the outside it's coming from power that's that's external as opposed to at times democratically not yeah democratically yeah uh, misaligned as opposed to yeah uh from an elite outside, yes, yeah, we're concerned about right. the, pic- and, the picture. And and this should remind us of the barter story, right? right. Of the story right. of money coming from outside of self-subsisting communities. But then, like, to your point, this totally belies that money is inside in the first place. Because, listen again, an overvaluation of how the group is perceived by outsiders, funders, and elites, right? Like, valuation is not something that comes from the outside. Or neither inside nor outside, right? It's this intraterritorial, I don't know, it's hard. All these location questions are really abstract, but also but also fraught, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We can only speak in terms of analogs and, and what you're doing as monetary participation, where, where you are and, you know, in, in which ways. Because um, there's not just one thing that you could be doing, which is why it's so confusing. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, the use of the word overvaluation here, right? Like a symptom that you might be burnt out is if you are misvaluing what the opinions of outsiders are worth. You know, I mean, it's just the word valuation, right? Like overvaluation. Like this is monetary naming. Yeah, and again, I don't know if that's always the problem. I don't know. I don't know if that's always the problem. I don't know if the reason people again care about donors is because they're misvaluing who's important. Like uh, I, that's not what happens to me again when I'm burnt out. <laughs> it just makes it makes me like annoyed that I have to deal with it, and then I'm like, oh, I got to deal with this. This is what we got to do. You know, it's not. I don't know doesn't make me go like, I hope that these people like me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no. I, and in fairness to Spade, I picked out this section like 
from an entire book that, you know, where he, he talks about burnout here. He talks about, there's so many ways up this sort of kind of paradoxical structure of like, you're going to get toxic social relations if you set them up as you're not allowed to leave or else the whole house comes down. Well, because it's not about, it's about that you can still be loyal to like certain groups or different changing formations, but it's not about one or the other. Like you can still be loyal to certain principles and certain relationships and certain belongings. And that's always changing form. And you're trying to, trying to have different organizations or institutions. And sometimes you're preserving them and sometimes you're not. And, these births and deaths and maintenances are always at issue. And yeah, it's hard. Sometimes you're moving into a new group. Sometimes something dies and is born. And yeah, it's just trying to embrace the um, changingness that's always at stake in, in these attempts. Oh, so that was a lot. <laughs> well, thanks. That was fun. I feel like, I feel like we uh, mutually aided each other. <laughs> <laughs> Sweaty areas on a scale of sliding slides. Too frustrated to surprise. 
Bye.